It takes more than great code to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering. Today is episode 28. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I am your other host, Jameson Dance. How are you doing, Dave? Pretty much terrific. <laughs> How are you? Except for like your Achilles heel, which is your weak point. That's the only part that's not. Why is not it not completely terrific? Be- well, the Achilles heel. You see, oh, okay. when I was a young lad, I was dipped in the river Styx, which as mm-hmm. you know, grants immortality. Mm-hmm. But I was being held by my ankle. Sure. Hence. Weren't we all? <laughs> An experience we can all relate to. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I have had orthotics inserted into my shoes this week, so I do actually have weak ankles. (laughs) 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 And they're both weak, not just one. Okay. Now you know a little bit about Dave's physiology. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's, that's great. Now we're, we're all improved from that. Uh, should we start off with our first question? Oh, no, we shouldn't. Uh, you should tell a joke. (laughs) That was the best setup ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's called the the pump fake. <laughs> is that a sports metaphor? Yeah, it is. I actually know that one. That's basketball, right? Sure, you can do it in football too. I don't play any sports and I still know these things. So Damn. I hope our listeners do too. You're such a renaissance man. <laughs> well, I I am widely read. I know <laughs> things about football, the most popular televised thing to ever exist. So, you know, this is a question and answer show. And I just wanted to say, you can't say question without quest. And I think that's a a great reminder for all of us. And it's not even a joke. It's real. Oh. Let your quest be guided by questions. So we're on a quest for knowledge. Let's proceed. Okay. Can you read our first question, Jameson? Yes. From an anonymous listener, how long should I stay before I quit my job? When is it okay to leave your company and go to a new job? Is it socially? Ex- uh, is there a socially accepted amount of time where if you leave earlier, people will think you're a jerk? Or what are other things to look at to tell if people will feel like you've put in your dues and aren't being unusually rude or out of the ordinary? So a lot of people don't know this, but I actually have 30 stopwatches taped to the underside of my desk, which I started for each team member when they arrived <laughs> on the job. And I am watching them all. Is this the jerk stopwatch yeah because when someone leaves i'm like "Mm, that was less than four million seconds (laughs) so there's your answer how long is four million seconds i don't know four million seconds two years yeah it's uh not very long (laughs) oh okay yeah so they are a jerk then if they leave before four million seconds there's a lot to this question and like everything there's a balance And you could be too far on one end or too far on the other. I think I will say every time I have quit a job, I have ended up being so glad. Not that it was some horrible experience or anything, but there's always been a reason why I've quit. And leaving made it much easier to realize that I the the risk and the cost was pretty low, really. and, And the benefits outweighed the cost. So you can definitely stay too long at a job, I think, Mm -hmm. where you you stagnate. And you're just passing up a lot of great opportunities. Yeah. How? So you you said that the risk wasn't as great as you thought it was, but you only discovered that after quitting, right? I mean, so when I've quit, I've always been very comfortable where I was. I felt like I had good relationships and good friendships with people. I felt like I knew the code base really well and the product really well. And I was like known as someone who could do a great job. 
And then leaving, you kind of lose all that and and you get to be the new person again. And it's kind of scary. You have to like prove mm-hmm. yourself again and kind of figure things out and jump into a new code base. And there's just a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Uh, and and like classic imposter syndrome. I just assume it's all been a fluke so far. And that this time. <laughs> yeah. Your luck's going to run out. This time they'll find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yet they never have. Yet, though. The streak continues. Except that last job where they were like, hey, everyone, we just found out Jameson's an imposter. <laughs> well, that only happened after I quit, so it's fine. <laughs> so mm. that's that's an argument for uh, for quitting. But after how long? Just you got You have a bad day, you're gone. <laughs> you're like, you wake your up one first, morning and, and you start hearing rumors that people might know you're an imposter. Your first bad day and you quit. <laughs> I... So I think uh, that like two or three years is kind of the normal amount of time to stay at a place and and uh, and then quit and and not have anything bad happen. Yeah. Um, uh, assuming it's like a place that you like and there's not any. I mean, if if there are horrible things going on, you shouldn't just stay two two years or three years so it doesn't look bad in your resume. But, right. Right. But like to stay at a good job that that you enjoy. Uh, I feel like that's kind of a normal amount yeah, of time. I'd say that's a, a good minimum. Yeah. It also, well, it also just so happens to be the amount of time I've stayed at every job. <laughs> How convenient that I would recommend that I'm, as the right answer. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, just a coincidence. I think you've you've had a little bit of a longer tenure at a few jobs than I have. Why don't I run down my experience so that people can know the bias that I'm bringing to the show today? <laughs> sure. I now know your bias. So my first job yep. out of college, I was there for a year and a half. My next job I was at for seven years with that. That's not counting a six month stint where I left the job and went to a startup and then came back to that same job, but it was seven years total. And then, um, I'm at my next job now and I'm about to, I'm about, I'm about to my five year mark. So that's my bias. I, I used to think that there was like this stigma that followed people around, um, if they quit a job too frequently. And I have done so much hiring over the last five to seven years. And I have seen that tons of people have left jobs one to two years to three years. Like there is, there is no problem, it seems, in the industry for developers who have left after just a year or two. Have you personally hired those people? Um, I mean, no, I only hire people you... who have a 10-year tenure, tenure at their last job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you feel like it affected you or just... it? You just saw it a lot, but you personally wouldn't want to hire or you would be, you'd see it as a a negative thing or you just ended up not caring that much? My internal like little neural network that processes resumes, when I see like four or five jobs in a row that are right around the 12 month mark, I start to get tingles like, uh oh, that's a problem, right? Like that's when I think there's a red flag that needs to be explained. But um Beyond that, like if, if you've had four or five jobs in a row where you're there for two years to three years, I don't even, I don't even blink. Sure. And I do have hired those people. And I actually can't remember if I've hired anyone with, with a more frequent job hopping on their resume. I don't, I don't think, I don't think I've even remembered. So I probably have. Hmm. So we've kind of given arguments for why this isn't that bad, uh, kind of within, within, what we have defined to be a reasonable amount of time. What are some arguments against hopping jobs this frequently? 
I think that by staying at a job for a long time, you will experience things that you otherwise won't experience. Like, for example, some decisions that engineers make, the full repercussions of those decisions don't manifest for a year or two or three, you know? And it's like, hey, I mm -hmm. made a technology choice, and you may not fully appreciate the repercussions of that choice for two years. You know, it may take that long. Sure. Have you ever had that experience? Well, no, you haven't. One hundred. <laughs> <laughs> no, one hundred percent. Yes, I have, and it's eye-opening. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of where like the the scales fall from your eyes about the hype around every new technology, and you realize like, wait a minute nothing can save me from crappy code <laughs> no matter what the technology is i can still screw it up you know the uh, you know the a, you know the gartner hype cycle thing uh mm -hmm. where it's like the trough of disillusionment and all that yeah i yeah. think every single technology i've used for sufficiently long ends with just i hate this technology <laughs> you know what i'm saying like well, but there's something after the trough, right? The plateau of productivity. Yeah, but Do you want to describe I, this thing for yeah, people sure. so that don't Google, know about it? Google the Gartner hype cycle, but basically it's a curve that starts really low. It shoots straight up really tall. So that's, and that's, that's the, when everyone gets excited about yeah, the tech, right? That's the hype. And I, I can't remember what that's called. Um, but basically everyone's super excited. No one even cares whether it's really good because it's new, right? Um, that, yeah. That's called the peak of inflated expectations. <laughs> and then that immediately falls down to the trough of disillusionment. And then that grows about halfway back up along the slope of enlightenment and then levels out of the plateau of productivity. It's such a good metaphor. I feel like I could name several technologies at every point in that cycle mm -hmm. right now. I, yeah. It, and you could put them on it, the graph, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me too. But I think that there's more beyond that graph where you've been using this technology now for years. And you're like, I think the plateau of productivity... Like I'm not, I'm not even really sure what the y-axis is on this graph, <laughs> but <laughs> but I like at some point you're like, okay, I I am completely neutral about this technology. I understand all of its weaknesses. I understand all of its positive characteristics, and I just don't freaking care. <laughs> you know, like after you've used yep. the technology for like four or five years, you know, that's when you start seeing the matrix. <laughs> So, so your point is, if you hop around jobs all the time, you get the opportunity to try new hype things and mm -hmm. you never get to see what the actual trade-offs are long-term. Yeah, and, and more importantly, your own decisions. Like I chose to architect this system this way and now I'm seeing the problems with that. The problems that were not apparent on day one or month one, but are yeah. painfully obvious on year one and year two. So it's kind of like, I mean, there'll be different code bases and different problems different products if you hop around say you, you go to four different jobs in four years but to some extent you're getting similar experience four times whereas if you stay at one job for four years um theoretically there could be a depth of experience you wouldn't yeah. get yeah i think that could apply to team issues as well um working with the same group of people and seeing yep. how it evolves and changes as people leave and join um that's stuff that you really only see if you if you stick around for a while. Yeah, like let's say you have a real personality conflict with someone and if you stick around for a few years, you may learn how to resolve it and you may go from being conflicted with this person to being like a good friend of this person. But you can't do that if you bail out in a year. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. On the other hand, 100% the easiest way to get a raise is by quitting and getting a <laughs> different job. <laughs> uh 
right now anyways, kind of the default is you quit, you get a different job, you usually get some kind of raise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like we've kind of arrived at what we think to be a happy answer to this, where in our minds, there's this idea of like two to three years uh, that might not actually be present in the industry. But for sure, there, so there, there might be a reputation cost if you hop around too much and it might make it harder to, to get hired. Um, but for sure, there is an effect on the kind of experience and, and how you develop as a software developer. Yeah. And I want to go back to the question here because one of the things the listener asks is, is there a socially accepted amount of time where if you leave earlier, people will think you're a jerk? And I think the listener is referring to your former uh, coworkers. You know, and, and I just want to say that I don't think there's any amount of time where if you leave, your former coworkers will think you're a jerk. I just don't think they will care that much, right? Like, especially, really? yeah, like the shorter amount of time you're there, it's like, hey, well, in other words, let me put this another way. I think the company you're going to go to will care a lot more about why you were there for such a short amount of time compared to the company that you're leaving. Like, if you show up at a team and you only work there for three months and then you leave, how much impact could you really have had anyway, you know? You take off and it's like, you're, you can't leave your team with that big of a bag, <laughs> you know? Well, it's not just leaving them with a bag. It's it's leaving them with the idea that you might not stick around for for hard things. Yeah, but you already left. Oh, you're, yeah, you're, I know, you're worried but, about but, your reputation that you leave yeah, behind. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to see those people again um, at some point, probably, some through some combination of jobs or community things or whatever. Like, Yeah, good point. So I, I think that can affect you a little bit um i feel like i i know people uh that are that are talented and competent and have just hopped around so much that i would be wary of working with them because um i they might leave me in a lurch yeah could, that is a good point although i think yeah you're, you're probably right it may impact your future employability with those same people yeah i mean it's not like you're not going to be able to get a job yeah you'll this person would be fine uh but I also think it depends a lot on the circumstances under which you're leaving. Like if, like, let's say you had a big traumatic life experience, uh, maybe a death in the family or maybe a parent is sick and you just need to go. I think people are really understanding when that happens. Like I've only been oh, on this for job sure. for four or five months. I got to go. Um, or, or if it's just horrible or like the company is tanking or there's some kind of like abusive behavior. I mean, mm -hmm. there yeah. are for sure reasons why you should absolutely leave right away. <laughs> yeah. But But those reasons generally... It's like the saying, uh, if if you encounter a jerk in the day, that person might be a jerk. If you if everyone you encounter is a jerk, then you might be <laughs> a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Like if if you have four or five experiences in a row where there are like emergency dire reasons why you need to quit after a couple months, there might be some kind of behavior that you are engaging in that has an effect on that. There might not too. I mean mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. you can flip a coin a hundred times and get a hundred heads in a row, but that happens. I've never done that. Neither have and I. Boy, I would, have I, would I tried, suspect, though. <laughs> I would suspect the coin at that point. So I think the magic number is about two years where people just won't really raise an eyebrow. You know, after mm -hmm. two years you take off, there's just no, there's really no magic. Uh, or sorry, yep. that is like the magic number. Um, and then also on the other hand, if you stay for 10 years, people might wonder, why did you stay in that job for so long? <laughs> you know, um, have you ever seen, have you ever met anyone like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's usually just people get really comfortable and they're, mm -hmm. they're fine doing, doing what they're doing, which mm -hmm. is great. I mean, if you've achieved a, a spot where you're happy and comfortable, that seems 
valuable. I do think that that level of comfort can hurt your chances for your next job, though, sometimes. Yeah. I have talked to one person in part of an interview process who stayed for 10 years and it was because they got to do different things pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. It wasn't they found their comfortable niche and just cranked out their like, yeah. uh, like 10-year-old code. It was that every couple of years they got to experiment and try new things and, and the business really trusted them to kind of evolve and, and still stay there. That sounds pretty solid. So I, another piece of advice I have for people who are just starting out, I think everyone should quit their first job before two years for your first job, your first air quotes, real programming job. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, it's basically the Monty Hall problem. Have you ever heard the Monty Hall problem, problem <laughs> Jameson? I have, and it makes me feel stupid every time <laughs> I hear it because I have a hard time comprehending it. Yeah, it is a weird one, but think about it in terms of choosing I mean, a job. Bas- basically, lots of things in the world make me feel stupid. <laughs> I live I live a life full of fear and, and just like, <laughs> I don't know, awe at all the shiny things all around me. <laughs> so... That's not a. It's not an uncommon experience. You can often find Jameson standing outside, just looking up into the sky. It's it's not just not very cowering, <laughs> cowering as a car drives by, like <laughs> magic. How how does magic car work? <laughs> so yeah, the Monty, Monty Hall, Hall. The reason I compare your first job to the Monty Hall problem is, let's say there's a hundred jobs out there that are available to you as a developer just starting out, and you choose one of them. What are the chances that you chose the best one? like one in a hundred, right? So in other words, there's a 99% chance that you did not choose the best job available to you. So you should change and you should find a different one. And now there's only a 98% chance that you are going to find, or rather that you've got the worst one. So your odds get a little bit better every time you change the job, change jobs. And you take with you all the stuff you learned from your first job when you're weeding down or narrowing down the field for your second job. And um, every time you do it, you, uh, you, you learn a lot. And so I think, mm. I think your first job, you just, there's just such a low chance that you chose that perfect job that you, sh- you should probably quit, even if it's not that bad. Um, and if it's That's bad, you should point. definitely quit. <laughs> That's a great point. It's kind of like, uh, you hear this with software estimates, right? When you're estimating how long something's going to take, that's the least you'll ever know about it. Mm-hmm. And when you're finding your first job, that's the least you'll ever know about the software industry and oh, also yeah. like what you enjoy. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's, that's a cool idea. So here's the thing though. Quitting your first job is really hard. And I stayed at my first job for a year and a half and I actually really didn't like it that much. And so I started looking for a second job and I felt so guilty <laughs> leaving that first job. Um, I felt like I had stabbed my team in the back and like they all were going to hate me for the rest of their life. And would you like to know how long that guilt lasted after I started my new job? I would love to know. About a day. <laughs> <laughs> my new job was so great um, that I just completely forgot. And guess what? Those guys that I left, that team, they were fine. No problem. They didn't yeah. feel like they were stabbed in the back. And that company and that product and everything was just fine without me. Sure. All right, I believe we have answered this question. Question answered. You're welcome, anonymous listener. Quit, quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, do you want to read our, our second question, Dave? Yeah, sure. This comes from listener Eric Woolley. He says, how do you encourage junior developers to leave their comfort zone? How fast or how far do you push them? You push them until they crack to the breaking point and beyond. 100 feet. 
<laughs> if if the wheels on your office chair are just really uh, well lubricated. Um, to me, this gets at kind of the care and feeding of junior developers and how you create an environment where they can succeed. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should start off by making some assumptions about the kinds of developers that that these people are. I think the best junior, the best characteristic of a junior developer is um, wanting to improve, and sometimes people call it passion, but it's it's like just kind of this uh, voracious appetite for knowledge and r- the right way to do things and and how to accomplish harder tasks. So I'm assuming that you have hired to some degree for that characteristic. Yeah. Uh, if if your junior developers are kind of not very engaged or interested, then I think that's a really hard problem, and I don't really know the solution. Besides the cop out answer of like, don't get in that situation. <laughs> the core. It's the corollary to our go to answer of quit your job is you, yeah. you fire the junior developer. No, you don't <laughs> fire kidding. them because that's hard. You go back in time and avoid hiring them in oh, the first place. Oh, much. That's much easier. Yes. With some employment uh, laws, that actually might be easier. <laughs> that's true so i think one thing you can do is help them understand and normalize the idea of getting stuck um i think junior developers can look at senior developers and assume they know everything Mm -hmm. and they see a problem and then immediately in their minds blooms this complete solution (laughs) that all they do is just like think and then type out the thing that they thought and that's not how programming works. Look, at the only any level. the only limit to a senior developer is their typing speed. That's the only thing <laughs> slowing them down. That's why they spend so much time tweaking their editor because that directly <laughs> correlates to more productivity. We've unlocked the secrets. <laughs> yeah, so so if you can help them understand like, hey, I get stuck too. I might get stuck on different problems, but this this um experience of tackling a problem and not knowing the next step and kind of banging your head against it to try and figure it out that's normal and that's expected Mm -hmm. and and that happens at every level um just the kinds of problems you you encounter and react to in this way will change but i think normalizing that and trying to eliminate the shame that they might they might feel about not being able to immediately solve something is uh one helpful approach yeah and i and and i love the comment of normalizing that because I have seen some of the smartest people I know who are pretty junior, but really, really, really smart, like just blow me away smart, get stuck sometimes for days on a programming problem. And it's not that they don't know their programming language. It's not that they are struggling with the syntax. It's that they just don't know how to proceed with this problem, you know, and it's totally normal. And so helping them understand that that's normal and to not, and to recognize it when it happens and then ask for help. Is really important. Yeah, that's that's the second part. There's some expectation that you should be able to get stuck, and sometimes you unstuck, unstick. <laughs> sometimes you unstick yourself, but there's also some kind of uh, I don't know what the threshold is. Some time limit where if you've been stuck for longer than this period of time, you don't want to just disappear into a cave of shame. Um, yeah, and and this this still happens to me sometimes where I'm like, they're gonna know that I don't know how to do this. I better just disappear and try harder to figure it out by myself. And and at some point, the cost of interrupting people to ask questions becomes so much lower than the cost of you just churning your wheels 
without really knowing mm -hmm. where to go. So you could maybe explicitly establish a time limit. Say like, if you're stuck for longer than a day, just tap somebody on the shoulder. I don't know what the time limit is, but um, so that's the other half. You normalize the idea of getting stuck, but you also make sure they're not just going to disappear and, and feel awful about themselves. Yeah. All right, what else can we do? Um, I think that making sure de junior developers know that asking questions is both allowed and encouraged is a good thing to help them get out of their comfort zone um, mm. <clears throat> and to, to make progress. Because sometimes people think, well, if I ask a question, I'm going to look stupid. Yeah, right. because I, I clearly don't know the thing I'm asking about. And, and to be quite frank, sometimes you will ask a question that has an obvious answer. And sometimes developers will think like, gosh, why did they ask this question? But that will be, generally speaking, much more rare. And um, you know what? The worst case scenario is that your team members will figure out that you actually are junior. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think asking good questions is a skill, and we don't talk about it explicitly as a skill but you develop that skill by doing it. And after a while, you kind of get a feel for the kinds of questions that um, are easily Googleable, mm -hmm. And you also get a feel for what the expectation of like the effort you put in beforehand before asking is. Uh, mm -hmm. But you, you never get that feel if you just don't ask questions, if you're scared of looking stupid. So as someone who's like responsible for mentoring, people who are more junior or as a leader of a team with, with developers that are junior, I think it's important to say out loud, hey, on this team, we welcome questions. And I personally welcome your questions. So please bring them. And I promise not to make you feel stupid if you ask a question that you think might be you know, beneath you or might appear to be beneath you. Yeah, yeah, that, that seems like a pretty big key is when you make someone feel stupid, they'll just totally shut down and then they're much more likely to get stuck. You, you might encounter a problem where you encourage too many questions and then it's, it's interruption and you have a hard time getting stuff done. And there are approaches you can take to solve that, but I would much rather have that problem than someone who just uh, is silently struggling. And then like six months later, they get fired because they didn't get anything done, you know? <sighs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can talk about that. What can you do if you feel like you've created an environment where people are comfortable asking questions, but you want to make sure it's balanced by your own productivity? You could maybe set aside dedicated time blocks on your schedule where it's like, this is office hours, question time. Um, mm. I, I've actually heard of companies who have like senior engineers who are required to set aside office hours each week. And it's like, this is a time when anyone in the company or anyone on the team can come in and just sit down and have my attention and ask me whatever they want. And I think Brad Green talked about that. Oh, Don't, yeah. Didn't he mention that at Google or something? I don't know if Google does it or not, but I remember he said something about office hours. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds familiar. And I know for a fact that Amazon does that as well with like their principal engineers. Sure. Google is probably big enough that you could say anything and then be like, yeah, Google does yeah, that. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> they have like 40,000 engineers or something. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. And and encouraging that encourages people to batch up their questions so you don't get tapped on the shoulder as much, right, which, right. I mean, there there is a cost to answering questions, right? The cost is it interrupts you and it kind of mm -hmm. throws you off your game. Mm -hmm. But you, you really have to invest time in junior developers if you just hire them throw them in the fire some of them will not succeed that could have succeeded yeah, if you yeah. gave them more support and, and that that costs you time and money and as a as someone who's a little more senior on your team i think you have to make sure that people know 
you want to answer their questions. One time I got a piece of feedback from one of my team members um, that said, you know, like Dave has a lot of good answers to questions, but sometimes I feel like I'm bothering him. Like he kind of gives off the air of being a little bit annoyed when I ask him a question because I because he's busy, right? And I realized I was like, oh crap, I'm going to have to like, I'd never, I never wanted to give off that impression, but I did. And it made me realize that I'm going to have to put in like an actual acute effort to tell people, thank you for asking me this question. I'm glad you asked if I want them yeah. to keep asking. I guess I just got to change my habit of, of calling them jerk faces every time somebody interrupts me oh, to ask a question. Another question, jerk face? <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, you little punk. <laughs> I'll give you the answer. <laughs> yeah. So another if you, thing... If you pass this <laughs> test. <laughs> another thing that I like to do is keep an eye out for projects that developers, uh, more junior developers can do to uh, level up their skills. So for example, I've had some people on my team and I see a need and I'm like, gosh, it would be great if our, like if our dashboard, our internal engineering dashboard did X and I'll see a developer and I'll be like, hey, in your spare time, would you mind like seeing if you could add this feature to our dashboard? That would be awesome. And I knew it was going to be a stretch because it was something, it was using a technology they weren't familiar with and it was a, uh, you know, it was all new for them. But um, I also knew it's not on the critical path. There wasn't like a customer demand and it wasn't something that had to ship like next week so they could take as long as they wanted on it. And they did a great job. And um, I'm always on the lookout for stuff like that for my junior people because it gives them a chance to basically level up in a, in a very low pressure environment where they can explore things and take their time. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think about the idea of you can sometimes... Uh, I feel like you can baby junior engineers too much where you, you put them on things that aren't really that important or yeah, that difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it seems like you you kind of want to balance that by actually giving them solid stuff to, to yeah know, yeah no I think to, you're, to work on. You're absolutely right. And the thing I was talking about would be in addition to like their regular work, right? It'd be like, hey, I want you to branch out and try this new technology. In the meantime, oh, okay. you can't slouch on your main commitments to deliver stuff for, for our customers, you know? Yeah, I just feel like someone said this who is smart and I can't remember their name, but people generally live up or down to your expectations. Mm. And again, you, it has to be reasonable. You you can't say to every junior, like, write me a compiler that turns this <laughs> JavaScript into x86. Some of them you probably could. Um, but if if you just give them a project and you say like i think this is within your capabilities it's going to stretch you and it's important to the company but i think you can totally do it uh people can figure out a lot of stuff when they yeah, feel yeah. um the right combination of like empowered and and uh trusted and but also not yeah and challenged but not overwhelmed yeah yeah it's a delicate balance I think one thing yeah. you can do to help with that is to describe the benefit or the outcomes of their work. Like, hey, when you do this, our company is going to benefit in this great way, or your teammates are going to benefit in this great way, or our customers are going to have it so much easier when X event arrives, you know? Um, tell them the outcomes, because sometimes it's not obvious, especially when you're junior, you're new on the team, you're looking around, there's just this mountain of product around you, and you're just exploring this small, you know, edge of the surface, and... uh and so it's often not clear exactly what the benefits of your work are. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice for everybody, but that's um, 
more senior developers, I think, have more skill at figuring out where their work fits in the context of a larger engineering organization. And juniors might, they might feel like you just shut them in the corner when maybe the thing that you gave them really is important and it, people are going to see it, but uh, they don't just know. for whatever reason, they don't know that. So yeah, that's that's a great answer. Well, question answered? Question, period, answered, period. That Why was... wasn't there a period after question? No, there was. Question, period, answered, period. That was dramatic punctuation. I think I'm doing it oh right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think you are doing it right. I think <laughs> my brain just shut right down. <laughs> not an English major. Once, once again, <laughs> demonstrating. I'm not what you call a good worder. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave, where can people hear more about us? Go visit our website, softskills.audio. There's only one reason to do that, and that's so that our little Google Analytics chart will go up. And that's all we want. Right, yep. Jameson? That's all we're looking for. Right. That that also contributes to my desktop background getting more beautiful. <laughs> for those of you that don't know what Jameson is talking about, <laughs> that never Listen made to it. to the last episode. No, that never oh, it made didn't? it. <laughs> oh, that was the secret. That was the secret. The B-side. We, <laughs> yeah, the, sometimes we record, uh, and, and and for whatever reason, some of us decide not to actually hit record. Just <laughs> just like for fun, it's just a fun little trick we like to do sometimes. It's like you play it on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got I got you so good last time, Dave. <laughs> hey, remember that half hour where we talked and <laughs> didn't record anything? It's gone. Gotcha. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Anyways, that is a great place to find out more about us. <laughs> what else can people do? Follow us on Twitter at softskillseng, and that is where you can send us a direct message or a tweet to ask us a question, which you can add to our ever-growing backlog. But don't worry, we will get to all these questions eventually before we die. I think. <laughs> I think. That is a Dave Smith guarantee. <laughs> This is the only thing keeping me alive, actually, is this backlog. <laughs> is, so please contribute. Yeah, does that mean when the questions run out, mm-hmm. then you die? It's like the last petal of the rose on Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it kind of is. Please, save Dave. Add questions. <laughs> save Dave. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, if you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, we would love to talk to you as well. Uh, we think that we do a, a pretty okay job, despite sometimes not recording. <laughs> and I think people really enjoy um, the the questions and, and the witty banter that we have. So we would love to talk to you if you're interested in reaching an audience of many smart software developers and, mm-hmm. and related people. And we will uh, talk to you next week. Farewell. Thank you.